Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. next quote is we leave the nest look at someone and say we leave the nest yes we leave the nest sounds funky huh when we talk about the nest what are we what are we really describing there when we talk about the nest you have a little cheat sheet here up there and here on on this I always forget what this thing's called retractable banner there you go it's a banner and on this banner man pray for me pray for me It's going to be a rough preaching when you know you can't remember it's a banner. We leave the nest, and it's about going out. Everyone say, go out. out. It's good. Everyone say, reach out. out. And then say, multiply. Multiply. Go out. out. Reach out. out. Multiply. Multiply. And, And that's really what leave the nest is about. It's about going out, reaching out. It's about multiplying. And um, this is our code. We've, we've gone over, we believe the hype already. We're not normal. We get to give. Last week, we spent some time and we set the stage. And we're almost done, but on number five, we're going to just sit on, we leave the nest for a little while. And I started to look at nests and the importance of nests. And I learned some things about nests. And I said, man, what's so important about a nest when it comes to a nest and a bird? Obviously, they need to... Uh, lay their eggs there and hatch and, and do everything that they got to do for the babies. But what's so important about these nests? You know, these nests are important because one main thing that you should keep in mind is, is this, that a nest provides a safe place. Everyone say safe place. A safe place. And, and that's what a nest is, safe place for the eggs, for the young birds to develop. I, I love the word develop in that sentence. So a nest is created and, and as this nest is created, it's for these baby birds that are about to hatch and, and develop safely within this nest to protect them from predators and so on. And these bird nests, man, they're, they're extremely diverse. If you've ever driven around, I remember when I was a little kid, I'm from Key West. I'm a conch, C-O-N-C-H, Key West conch. And we say things like cuz and ya cuz and, and things like that. Everyone's cousin and stuff like that in Key West. And we're from the island kind of thing. And I remember driving down the long stretch to go to the Keys. And with my family and me and my sister used to play a game. And it was count the nests. And we would see who would win. And remember that, Lisi, when we were on the way to Key West. And we would see the nest and we would count. I see a nest and I see a nest. And there was these massive like eagle nests all throughout the Keys. And it was, a, it was a fun game to play. But if you've ever looked at nests, you'll recognize that they're extremely diverse. And although each species is, has a different characteristic, their, their nest and the nest style as well has a different characteristic to it. Each nest is different. I was going to play a YouTube video, and it's the funniest thing. It's the weird places in which birds create their nests. You should see some of the things um, that I saw. I mean, it's funny. Someone left their shoes, I guess, outside, and that bird just decided to make that nasty boot its home, its nest for a moment. But every, every species of birds is different, and, and every nest style, you see that it's got its different um, and its uniqueness according to the bird style. And, and some birds, they construct nests from natural materials. Some birds construct nests from grass and, and leaves, mud, fur, 
from man-made materials, paper, plastic, yarn, all those things. It's, it's funny. I was watching how one bird grabs cigarette buds, and, and, and throughout their nest, they put cigarette buds all in their nest. And you see cigarette buds everywhere. And I'm like, this is interesting. And the reason why is because the nicotine helps keep the parasites and stuff or something like that away. And, and birds know that. Come on, you tell me there's not a God. <laughs> you know, how does a bird know that? That's crazy. I see those birds and I think they're dumb. You know, they, they're always like, I don't know. They're not dumb. Those things are smart, man. But they're so different, man. These nests can be found almost anywhere. When you, when you look at nests, they could be on the ground, in trees, burrows, on the sides of cliffs, and in and on man-made structures. Uh, they're everywhere. Uh, when I moved to our new house, I said, there's a problem here. When we went one day to go look at it, a bird flew right under my roof. And inside the roof, it decided to make it its nest. I said, can we get that thing out of here when I move in? And um, they, they, they just have uh, this uniqueness. But, you know, as I, I was thinking about nest, it speaks a lot about the church, doesn't it? Think about church and churches. There's diversity within the church. Look around. I, I love that when, when we look around, we see each other. We're, we're so diverse. We're all yet, we're all so different in so many ways, but yet we come together for one purpose. That's neat, man. So, so the church is, is diverse, but not only that, there's diversity even between churches. You ever visited another church? And you're like, it was good, but it's not my church. It just feels different at my church, right? You ever been there? And, and it's because there's differences even between churches. Churches even have that. And we learned this a few weeks ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. We said the scripture, it says, For as the body is one and many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So we are many members, and the church globally is many members, but yet together make up one body. And with its many members and its community of many members, every single one of those churches has a different feel to it, doesn't it? Has a different way in the way they do things. Has a different vision maybe or a different method of preaching or a method of worship. It doesn't make ours right, theirs wrong, theirs right, ours wrong. It's just every nest is a little bit different and unique to the leadership there and to the vision that's set up there. And, and it's true with us. There's differences between us, between each other. And there's differences between our church and other churches. And, and in reality, that is the beauty of Christ. You know that? That is the beauty of Christ, that we are not all the same. How boring would life be <clears throat> if we were all the same? So boring. And how boring would it be if every church was the same? It would be so strange. It would be dull. It would be so predictable. Can, can I say something? It's, it... <laughs> See? It's so unpredictable here at our church. You never know what's going to happen. We might just be preaching and we'll just turn off the lights on you and we might turn them back on again. Let's do it again. Ready? We're going to turn them off on you and, and then now they're slow on it. Come on. You guys were better when you weren't planning it. But every church is different, guys. Every church has its way. And if not, if we we're all the same, be so predictable. And I want to say this. It would be everything that God is not. You know who's predictable? The enemy is predictable. Same schemes, same dumb things, same little plans. But then we get into this relationship, into this presence of God, and he's like, what's going to happen next? It's so unpredictable. It's everything that the Lord is not. He is not predictable. 
When the Lord allows each church with its uniqueness, minister in its gifts, allows them to lay their vision, all while still pointing to the same source, to the same power, to the same thing, which is Christ our Savior. Amen? And, and, and that's something that we've been doing here. We've been calling our home here, um, our church here, uh, New Life, our nest. And, and join us in calling it our nest because I really hope that you receive this place as a nest. We want this place to be a safe place like we just mentioned. We want New Life to be a safe place. What do you mean by that? We want it. The leadership in this church wants New Life to be a healthy place. A place in which you could develop. Watch this. Just, just let's stay quiet for a second. See if it works. You know, you hear that? Those are kids playing in the back room. Here, listen to it. I want to see if I hear my son. Come on, Jackson, do something. Scream or something. <laughs> He's screaming. He screams so much at home. All right. In a little while, you're going to hear a baby cry here. Don't feel weird if your baby starts to cry. Okay? In a little while, you're going to hear the kids throw a block against the wall. Don't worry about it. People are already in this church. It's just the kids throwing a block against a wall. But what I'm trying to tell you is we want it to be a safe place in our nest. Amen? The nest is so important, man. A place where we could find our giftings and a place in which it's a healthy That was good. A healthy place to develop and a place in which we could live, live in his call for our lives. How many of you could say amen? The nest, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's an important part of our development. I believe that new life is an important part to your growth and to your spiritual development. If you've been looking for a home and you're here today, welcome home. What do you mean by that? This place is going to be so important to your development and growing in the Lord. Having brothers and sisters and I need prayer. Tito the other day, this is a true story. It was 11 o'clock a.m. and he went to go pray for a student's father. Whatever, I'll leave details out. And he went to go pray for the hospital. And how encouraging was it to see that all the leaders in the church stopped what they were doing at 11 o'clock and prayed for that encounter with Tito and that man in his hospital bed. That's healthy. That's inc- I want to be part of a nest like that. That when me and my wife asked for prayer for Nancy's baby cousin who's in the NICU, a group of you guys have still asked when I walked in, how's the baby? And I'm like, wow, you guys actually did remember us and that we too have an issue in our family and we need prayer. I want to be part of a healthy nest like that. And the nest is an important part of our, develop, of our spiritual development. Amen? But I want to share this as we talk about our church. You see, the church, you could write this, is important. And the reason why the church is important is this, because it reveals Christ. The church reveals Christ. Even as Christ reveals God in the human flesh, the church reveals Christ right here in the flesh. I need you to understand that today as we get into this message. As the church, we reveal Christ. You need to know that. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Paul writes this. Listen to the words. It says, I'm writing these things to you even though I hope to be with you soon. Look at 15, ready? 
so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Isn't that powerful? That's who we are. We are, we are the church of the living God, pillars and the foundation of God's truth. And when we look at these verses and we see what the church is, and I, and I make this point that the church reveals Christ. Well, who does the church reveal Christ to? The answer is what? We reveal Christ to the world. We reveal Christ. I, I don't want to get into policies, and I don't want to get into politics. But, but, but the truth is... You're going to vote soon, hopefully. You're going to vote soon. And, and you need to really see which party and which person represents what. And who are they going to put into position. And all those things, I get it. All those things are so important. And you need to really have godly convictions going into something like this. But, but the truth is, I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't think that the, the hope for our country is neither one of those candidates. When I read the word of God... I recognize that the only hope for our country is the church. I almost forgot what I was going to say. That's stuff. But it's the church. I believe that. I believe that. And we want to vote and we want to get feisty and we want to pick it and we want to scream and we want to wear the shirts and we want to say the slogans. But I think it's the church revealing Jesus to the world is going to be the only answer that this world needs. Man. You know, when, when you look at Jesus revealing the Father and us, the church, revealing Christ, think about this. And God continues to be in the flesh. God continues to be what, I, what we call biblically incarnate in the flesh. Not only in Jesus Christ, but we see in the church that, that Jesus, yes, he is God in the flesh, God incarnate. But yet Jesus, as we talk about him being God incarnate, we look at us, the church, and we are Jesus incarnate. We, we are Jesus here in this world. That, and I want you to understand this, that the incarnation of Christ is unique. One time and only one time in history did God take on human flesh as that baby of Mary and grow up as this human being to die on the cross for our sins one time and one time only. That's not going to repeat itself. The next time that Jesus comes is to take care of business and to pick up his bride. Do you understand what I'm saying? One time and one time only. And that event will never occur again. And the incarnation continues on for all of eternity. We see that Jesus was raised bodily from the dead and he ascended into a heaven bodily, heaven body, a glorified being. And he will return to earth and he will reign, yes, as king. But in another sense, Jesus is not only incarnate in heaven now. He is also incarnate in his body, in the church. And I want us all to know this as we get into the meat of this message, that we are the visible expression to the world of the Savior who is presently in heaven. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Look at him through the church. He's there. He's alive. He's real. They're, they're healing the sick and they're casting out devils and they're feeding the homeless and they're visiting the prisons and, and they're everywhere. Trust me, there is a remnant, there is a bride, there is a beauty, there is a church. You want to know where Jesus is? Get plugged into a church and you're going to find him. Trust me, he's alive. 
He's alive. He's alive. He's, he's there. And we are it. We are the visible expression to this world of the Savior. And man, when I refer to this church, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm talking about, us, the people of God. So our nest here is so important. It's, it's vital for our growth. It's vital for communion and for fellowship. But it goes out from here. It moves from here. It just doesn't stay plugged in here. What happens in here connects outside of here. And what I mean by that is this cold that we are pouring out today and we're revealing to you today. It's, it's whatever happens in this nest, that's fine. But don't ever forget this. We leave the nest. We leave the nest. We leave it. And I will break that down, that make you understand it a little bit better. But we just don't practice good faith. We just don't practice good faith in these walls, but we live out our faith in this world. Totally different. Everything that we do in our little hours here together is awesome, is mighty, is great. But what's even greater is what we do in our communities once we leave here in a, in a little while. That's, that's the weight. That's the power. That's where it's found. Because together right now, we're not in the hospital. Together right now, we're not really aiding someone. Together right now, we're just rubbing off each other. We're just worshiping together. We're just refueling one another. We're just doing things that the church does for edification. But what, but what really brings power to the church is who you are outside of this home called New Life. We leave the nest. We, we, we are just not Christians and faithful in church, but we are Christians and faithful in this world. We leave the nest. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, all of you together. How many? All of us. And how? Together. We are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of Christ's body. Colossians 1.18, echoing what he tells the church in Corinth. He tells the church of Colossae, Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. You read these passages and you recognize that, that we are it to this world. We are so important in this world. We are, mo we, are, we are probably some of the most important things in this. Like think about it. What is more important in this world than the church of Christ glorifying the Father, glorifying the Godhead, glorifying and living through his word here on earth? What is more important than that? can't think of anything. That, that we actually wake up with a purpose and with a call, with a divine destiny of doing something for the kingdom of God. That we get to wake up every day and decide, I'm going to rock the foundations of hell today. <laughs> I'm going to rock the foundations of hell today. Literally, I'm going to make hell today. I'm going to cause war in the heavenlies. That's what we belong to. That, that's powerful when you think about that. Let, let's jump into a scripture that I want to just uh, surf on for a little bit. It's in Matthew chapter 25. If you could turn there. Jesus is speaking in Matthew 25. Give me an amen if you turn there, if you're taking notes. Matthew 25 and put your eyes on verse 31. Give me a little sign that I could continue when you get there. Amen. Well, Jesus is teaching here, 
And as Jesus is teaching something that he's teaching or the topic in which he's teaching is it's a time in when he's going to judge all the nations. It's a, very, it's a very important teaching because it's going to be a day in which you will all stand before God. I don't know if you really understand that, but every single person in this room will all stand before his throne. And in verse 31, let's just get right into it and let the word do what the, do what the word does. Here it is. Here's Jesus. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So, so, so there's a division between sheep and goats here. He's gathering all people groups and all nations to him. But like a shepherd separates two distinct kind of animals. One is a sheep. The other is a goat. Verse 33 and he will set the sheep on the right hand, and he will put the goats on the left hand. And the king will say to those on his right hand, he says, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom that is prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Everyone say, Come. Okay, so he says, Come, enter. He's, what is he doing there? He's inviting them, right? When you tell someone to come, it's, it's inviting them. It's pleasing to hear. Come. Okay, I'm invited. That's cool. I could go. Yeah, come with us. Awesome. Come with me. Stuff is prepared for you. You're going to inherit the kingdom. Let's keep reading verse 35. Look what he tells them. You could almost sense, right, like the sheep are like, how come I get to go? How come I'm invited? <laughs> Why are you telling me to come? And then look what he says in verse 35. For I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous, oh, so now we see that the sheep are the righteous. And they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did that happen? And verse 38, he says, no, verse 39, he says, wait, no, what verse? Uh, 38. When did we see you a stranger? When did we see you naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And here's verse 40, and the king answers and says to them, Oh, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Just let that, let that rip you apart for a second. <laughs> what, what, why am I in heaven? Why do I get to be here? Why? You, you fed and you clothed and you visited. You did things without being forced to. It just came genuine and natural from you because of a relationship, because of an intimacy that was in you. But when do we ever see you naked? When do we ever see you hungry? When do we ever see you thirsty? 
When did we ever see you in prison and visit you? I don't understand. When did all this happen? I'll tell you when it happened. When there was a brethren that was in need, you filled the void. You, you came into the middle and you did what they couldn't do at a time when they needed it. You were Jesus Christ in the flesh when they needed Christ. You were it, man. You were the church. You were being faithful when nothing else was faithful in their lives. Thank you, sheep. You did it, is what Jesus was saying. And then he, look at verse 41. Then he will also say to those on the left, everyone say the left. Yeah, don't get left behind or any other corny phrase that we could say. But he will say to those on his left, depart from me. Did you notice the difference? One he says, come, he's inviting them. And the other one, he says the word depart, he's commanding them to leave. One Walk with me, the other one, walk away from me. You've ever been so upset at someone? Uh, maybe at your child. If you know what's good for you, just walk away. And you know you're just shaking. <laughs> Control. My wife steps in now and says, I'll take over from here. Thank you. Dress him for school because I'm going to go crazy. Ever been there? Maybe someone, a friend. Most of you have driven in Miami traffic. All right, so we all know what this means. But the Lord looks at these individuals, these goats that we see he separated them as. Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Here are individuals that were being casted into the fire, which wasn't even prepared for them. In the first place, it was prepared for the devil and his angels. So what was it that caused them to go to a place that wasn't even prepared for them in the first place? Why are they entering somewhere where the other ones aren't entering? What's the difference between these goats and between the sheep? Well, look at verse 42. For I was hungry and you gave me no food, thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he says to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into the everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Come on, someone. You know what I told the 9.30 huddle today, the leaders today? I told them this. No lie. I said, you need to have today, when you go into today's service, have a ministry mindset. Not a busy mindset. A ministry mindset. Because your busyness could stop you from doing ministry. What do you mean by ministry? What I mean by ministry is this. How can you love someone today? How can you serve someone today? How can you minister to someone today? Because if you're too busy, you miss a divine appointment to bless someone's life. And the church needs to be aware, needs to discern, needs to be wise and look for opportunities in how we can serve someone else. Everyone say why? Because we leave the nest.
We are about going out, reaching out, and multiplying, winning souls for the kingdom of God. You guys are with me? You were hungry. They were thirsty. They were strangers. They were naked. They were sick. They were incarcerated. They were in prison. Can I ask you a, a question? How many of you fit or have at once fit into one of these categories? Come on. Come on. You know what? That was powerful. I would say 99% of you raised your hand. You were hungry. You were thirsty. You were naked. You were a stranger. You were sick. You were in prison. At some point in your life, you felt like you were in prison. At some point in your life, you felt like you were sick and when am I ever going to get healed? At some point of your life, you felt like you were naked and you just needed God to clothe you from your nakedness. At some point in your life, you felt like you were such an outcast, a stranger to this world and you just needed to be found. At some point in your life, you were so thirsty for something and you were searching and you are looking and you're looking for that well, for that water source to fill you. And at some point in your life, you were so hungry that you were looking for food at any place and anywhere that you could receive food from. And you even dabbled and you even went into places that, that you shouldn't even gone into of how desperate... And how hungry and how thirsty and how naked and how cold you were. You went to places that you would not even thought that you would have gone to. Come on, how many of us have been there? And then out of nowhere, Jesus shows up. And how did Jesus show up to your life? Can I ask you that? Who raised their hand that wants to be bold? No one raised their hand that wants to be bold? James, how did Jesus show up to your life? Wife. His wife. Are you a believer wife? Es una creyente? Crea. Tu creas en Dios. His wife was a believer. Anyone else want to be bold? Mercy. Sorry? Bold. Anyone else? How, how did the Lord appear to your life when you were naked? A what? A co-worker. Was she a believer? Wow. A stranger? Was he a believer or she a believer? Wow. Adrian? Me? <laughs> You're making me blush, man. Amen. Me? Anyone else? Amen. She fed you. You were hungry and she fed you? Wow. Wow. Um, Regal Senior. Senior. First started coming here. And also someone when we first started coming to this church anonymously blessed us with mm. um, a gift card to Publix. <laughs> so someone just said, I don't know. Here's a gift card. Here's some food. And Senior, a believer. Uh, have, you, have you guys seen the bigger picture? Wait, so, so Christ never showed up to you? Alicia, it's me. Christ didn't show up to you? Say, hey, it's me. Mercy, Christ just didn't show up to you? Say, hey, he did. He did. Through senior, through the gift card, through your wife, through me, through your friend, through, why? Because Christ is the evidence to this world through the church. 
Come on, man. Come on. About to end the service there. But that's it. Christ. You know I get excited when I start moving the podium around. <laughs> but Christ was all around, always around. They were hungry and he gave them food. They were thirsty and he gave them water. They were naked and he clothed them. I remember there was a time when I was little and my mom was uh, going to church and we just started all this stuff and I was little. And I remember those times when we didn't have food and out of nowhere someone would knock and my mom would walk into the house with tears in her eyes. This is a true story. And it was a basket right around Thanksgiving time. And it was all kinds of foods and fruits and spam and all these different things. And she would be in tears and she would put it on the table. And I remember my, my, my mom's words, we have food for the holidays that's crazy like those are things that that you have to recognize like we all at once or maybe even still today maybe one of you are here today and you're like wait a minute I'm still hungry I'm still thirsty I still feel like a stranger I'm still naked I'm still sick I still feel like I'm in a prison but I'm telling you right now whether you fit in one of these categories or you once fit into one of these categories I'm telling you that there is a Christ that is alive there is a salvation that is for you there is a hope and I'm telling you that what happens within the brothers and the sisters and the fellowship and the communion right here what we do as a nest is going to be so important important for your spiritual development, your growth, your maturity, to then you go out and be a blessing for someone else. So important. So, so important. And if that's you today, good luck. You came to the right service on the right time, on the right day, because God is going to rock your life today if that was you. I came hungry. Get ready to eat. I came thirsty. Get ready to drink. I'm in prison. Get ready to get visited. I'm telling you right now that if you're one of those, welcome home. God is going to rock you today. He already started, and I believe that. Man, our works, listen to this and write this down if you can. Our works are not decisive in our salvation. They are evidence of God's saving work in us. Our works are not decisive in our salvation. I don't care how much works you do. It doesn't make you more saved or less saved. Our works are not decisive in our salvation. But what they are is they are the evidence of God's saving work in us. Man, that is powerful. And that is why we must, what 2 Peter 1.10 says, ready? Be all the more diligent to make our calling and election sure. That is why Philippians 2.12 says, by what? How? How do I make my, my, my calling and my election sure? Well, Philippians 2.12 says what? By working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Man, two verses fit in like a beautiful puzzle that creates this beautiful picture. Be more diligent to make your call and election sure by working out your salvation with fear and trembling. 2 Peter 1.10, Philippians 2.12. Everyone listen to this. We leave the nest. We go out. We reach out. We multiply. If we're not doing that, if we're not doing that, guess what? We are robbing someone of their blessing. We are robbing someone of their hope. We are robbing someone of their salvation. Amen? One thing to remember in which you will see Christ show himself is this. It's not just to bring someone to church. Listen to this, but take the church to someone. 
Some of you guys said this person and that person. Did you notice the different places where people were at? One was in a school, one was in a different locations. Why different locations? Because you don't need to come in here to find Jesus. You got it so wrong. The church goes out there and will introduce to you who Jesus is. The church is not necessarily for everyone to find Jesus. But it's the church. It's the people that leave the nest that introduces Jesus. Some people may never enter into this nest. But you know what they will do? They will allow you to enter into their lives. That's all Jesus needs. That's it. You thought you needed to make sure that they get here on a Sunday. No, no, no. We don't teach that here. You just need to get to them any other day. You leave the nest. You go out. You reach out. You win that person. Because they will allow you to enter their lives before their lives ever enter this building. They don't need to come to church to find him. They need you to go to them to find him. How many of you could say amen? Should have written that down. They will then desire to be part of a community of faith like this. Man, when Christ was raised from the dead, what did he do when he raised from the dead? He, he gave one last charge to the disciples. You guys know that? You know what's interesting about Christ when he raised from the tomb? He didn't have to reaffirm that he loved them. He didn't have to reaffirm that he was actually God. He, you know, they, they knew that. Like, okay, this is him. But one thing that he did that was so powerful, one last charge to the disciples was this. He gave them what we know now as the Great Commission. If you want to translate it a little bit better, it's the Great Send-Off. And I will, if you have your, your notes and if you have your code booklet, it's the verses that's all the way in the bottom, the little reference verse in the bottom. I'm going to read that verse to you real quick. And in those verses in the bottom, look at Jesus, listen to Jesus' words. He says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, and he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And look what he says, Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. I want you to catch some words. Go, make, baptize, teach. All words of actions. You've all learned and you've all received much from me is what he's saying. But now what you've received from me, go give it and teach it to others. You guys see that? He's basically telling the disciples, leave the nest. Go out, reach out, multiply. Leave the nest. Another cool thing about leaving the nest here's a little fact ready it's called fledging after leaving the nest that period is called fledging these young birds they typically remain close to their parents for a short period and during this time the young birds must learn to survive on their own they're very vulnerable during this time of their life to predators they're very vulnerable to starvation so they have to stay close and so that they could survive on their own. 
And I read that and I said, man, that's an interesting part about leaving the nest. When a bird leaves the nest, that's so interesting because sometimes it's the same thing with us. It's the same thing with our faith, especially at first and even that first year. I want to read a verse that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Listen to this, guys. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned. I understood as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. See, when you read Paul's words here, I get this and I get what he's telling the church that we must all grow up and we must all be responsible for ourselves. That we would put away childish things. What are childish things? Immaturity. Immaturity and sinful things. If you guys are still bickering and complaining and seeing what the next person is wearing, that's so childish. You're still doing those kind of things. <laughs> How old are we? Who cares what she's wearing and he's wearing and what they look like? And who cares about they didn't call you back and they didn't text you? Like, come on, there's heaven and hell. There's people dying. Like, this is bigger than all those little things, right? Who cares? Who cares about all the little immaturity, childish things that we could argue and fight about? I see people get divided, divided because of this book. And they both call themselves Christians when this book is called to create both of those to come together. Come on, those are childish, immature. Those are stupid, petty things. Paul addresses it and says, put away childish things. Grow up. Be responsible for yourself. Put away immaturity and sinful things. And our growing up in the faith. It must also teach us, man, this, this truth, just like this fledging period that a bird goes to. It must teach us to survive on our own. Because the truth is, you might go through what you're going through alone. And there might, be, there might never be someone that may understand what you're going through. You may be there to face those, that, that stage of being vulnerable or predators and and you need to get to a point where you learn how to, to feed yourself when you find yourself starving at times. I love what I read when I looked at this fledging period. It says this, the first year is always the toughest year in most bird species. Listen to this, more than half of the first year birds perish. For birds that do make it to adulthood, everyone say maturity. Birds that make it into maturity, into adulthood. However, the odds of surviving another year improve greatly. Do you think that God is preaching to us through creation? <laughs> Within the first year, the birds just die and perish, most of them. How many people have seen people come to church, they get excited about church. The next week, they're gone. I understand those things. Those things break and those things hurt and they ache us. I understand it. But, but, but I get it. I get the sin behind it. I get the immaturity behind it. I get it that at the end of the day, every single person in here will stand before God and we must be responsible for our faith before the Lord and our own growth. You can't blame me for your spiritual growth. And you can't blame the person next to you for your spiritual growth. The only person that is responsible for your spiritual growth is yourself and your relationship with your Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on. That's it. Many perish. More than half 
I've seen that in churches. Within the first year, but man, when they make it into adulthood, when they make it into maturity, the odds of surviving improve greatly. I love what Jeremiah 31, when he speaks to the nation of Israel about the Lord turning mourning into joy. A time when Israel was exiled. Jeremiah relates their, Jeremiah relates their current experience to the Exodus in the book of Exodus. And in Jeremiah 31, 2, just one verse, listen to this. He says this to the Jewish people. He says, thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Oh, when Israel sought for rest, they found grace. They found grace in the wilderness. The people who survived found grace. My push to you today, my encouragement to you today, my call to speak to you today is to leave the nest. And the truth is, it may seem difficult to go out, to reach out, to multiply. It may seem difficult. It may seem for some of you so far-fetched. For some of you, you'll be like, I'm not prepared for it. I don't know if I'll ever be prepared for this. You may feel... Fear and terror, doubt, confusion. You may hear lies. You may feel discouraged. But leaving the nest doesn't promise that there won't be storms. Leaving the nest doesn't promise that there won't be swords. Come on, any Christians ever been faced with a sword? Any Christian in here ever been faced with a sword? Or a, or a storm? Leaving the nest... Being faithful does not promise that. But it does mean this, that there will be a grace even in the wilderness, even in the desert, even in the face of the storm and of the sword. Survive the sword. Survive the sword because there's a grace that is found in the wilderness. Leave the nest. Go out, reach out, multiply. Swords may come, floods may come, but there is a grace that also comes. Stay faithful. Leave the nest. Reach out. Go out. Win. Love people. All of this does not promise the absence of the sword, but it shows us that there's an ultimate survival and victory from the sword. Come on. Many have been persecuted because they have left their nest. Because they took the call to go. Many have been persecuted. Man, I could give you some books and I could take you to some websites and I could introduce you to some people. Because they took the call to go. For some of them, it's even cost them their lives. But listen to this. The sword, even through death, doesn't have victory over the believer. So I leave you with this truth today and write it down if you have not written it yet. I leave you with this. Grow up to go out. Grow up so that we can go out. Grow up so that we can go out. No one will follow a childish, immature individual. But grow up so you could go out. Grow in the Lord so you don't perish. Put aside things that stump your growth.
get through another day, get through another year. The odds of surviving as you grow up improve greatly. So continue to grow up in order to go out. Church, we leave the nest. We go out. We reach out. And we multiply. We do these things. But there has to be a growth in us to achieve this level of maturity that we're talking about here. Leave the nest. Go out. Reach out. Multiply. Leave the nest. There's a sword at times, but there's always a grace. There's always a grace. Can you stand with me today? Lord, we thank you for this word. Good, faithful God. True to your word. Always present. Even when we feel you're absent, you are, you are there nonetheless. So Lord, this message was for the whole church. You're calling us to leave the nest. You're calling us to go out. You're calling us to reach out. You're calling us to multiply. Strengthen every single one of us. Thank you for our nest called New Life. But it doesn't stay here. You've called this church to take it to the world. Take it to the world. Thank you for that opportunity that you've called us to such a call. How many of you could say amen? If there's anyone here today that has never accepted Jesus or maybe you want to reconcile and recommit your life to the Lord and say I'm recognizing what you just preached I'm naked I'm in prison I'm weary I'm scared I'm all those things and Jesus right now through today's service through people outside through people inside through your message Jesus just showed up and I needed this if that's you today is there anyone here that that's you today I just want to rejoice with you how many of you, someone here that needs Jesus? Amen. Anyone else? Can I ask you to come up here? I want to pray with you. 